BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome to Breaking Beauty, the podcast all about the best-selling beauty products and the damn good stories behind them. We're your hosts, Carlene Higgins and Jill Dunn. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Breaking Beauty Podcast. If you're tuning in for the first time, our podcast is all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. And today, we are definitely bringing you a force in the beauty space. We have body confidence activist, speaker, writer, and three-time cover girl, Sarah Nicole Landry. Sarah Nicole is a newly remarried mom of three, and she's known as the Bird's Papaya over on Instagram, where she's earned more than 800,000 followers since documenting her incredible weight loss journey that began in 2014. Sarah Nicole essentially halved her body weight when she dropped 112 pounds, and her bikini pics are known to get real, real, revealing cellulite, stretch marks, and excess skin so many of us know so well. She's a fellow Canadian and a fellow podcaster on our network, Dear Media, where Sarah Nicole hosts the Papaya Podcast. Every week, she gets completely unfiltered around navigating life and our experiences in it, whether it's dispelling diet culture, squashing self-doubt, or chatting with guests about how to turn tragedy into advocacy. And because this is a true pod swap, you can hear Carlene and I over on the Papaya Podcast episode that dropped this week. We are talking about some of our all-time favorite products, and we're getting deep on how the whole notion of beauty has changed dramatically in the past decade. We'll link to that episode in our show notes. So in today's chat, you'll hear from Sarah Nicole all about her journey to body positivity, how she deals with online haters, and of course, what's on her top shelf. Sarah Nicole, we're so excited to have you with us today. Oh my gosh, that was a lovely (laughs) intro. I was like, listen to my life. Wow. Thank you. And so welcome to Breaking Beauty. And if people aren't familiar with your story, let's start there. Before you became a body confidence activist, Mm -hmm. you already had gained a lot of fans and a huge following on Instagram because you dropped an incredible amount of weight. And so when did you decide it was time to lose weight and how did you do it? So this is kind of like a short, long answer, but essentially I saw a photo of myself online that was like this light bulb moment of, waking me up to how I actually looked versus how I was, how I thought I looked in the mirror. And I, and I had like really a lot of self-hate, like, to be honest, I really did. I wasn't taking care of myself. I didn't like what I saw in the mirror. And I had just recently moved home to my hometown and now was 
you know, no longer anonymous in Ottawa. And I was now in where I would run into people from high school and all of this stuff. And I just really was like, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm a stay at home mom of three. So I have to do it within the realms of what I'm capable of doing. I have no workout clothes. I was like working out in like regular bras and jeans someday. Cause that's all I had to do. I would use my kids as like weight and all of that stuff. And I really was seeking just, I I really just wanted to feel happy. I wanted to feel happy in my body. I didn't really have a lot of education around nutrition and fitness. So I was truly just doing what worked and what was free. And I'm such a believer in like, we don't need to spend money to like take care of ourselves all the time in those regards. So I didn't do the bells and whistles. I did what I knew. And I downloaded an app that taught me to count calories. And I started working out on my bedroom floor and, and doing all of that. And, and I started losing weight rapidly. It was coming off so quickly that I could barely keep up and I was quiet about it. But at some point somebody noticed online and this, this validation began and I had maybe lost about 40 pounds at that point. I was 225 to begin with. So somebody started noticing and I started deciding to document it a little bit online and be open about this weight loss. And then the attention came and it grew and my following grew and it kind of became this, now my body is on a performance track. Like Mm -hmm. I need to keep showing up, being smaller, showing up better. I need to be less and less. And at the same time, all of this is happening and, and this weight loss story is kind of getting into the spotlight. I'm dealing with a lot of stuff in the background. My marriage is plummeting. My mental health is the worst it's ever been. I have to deal with the fact that I still hate what I look like in the mirror. And realistically, it's actually getting worse. The anxiety around my body was worse. I did this because I wanted to be able to go out in public and feel better about myself. But now it was online and I was face tuning my body. So I almost like didn't want to leave the house ever because even at when I dropped down to like 113, 114 pounds, I still was terrified of how I looked. All I saw were the flaws. All I was looking at is my body as something to perfect. Every single day was waking up. I literally used to say things on my Instagram, like work out in front of a mirror, because when you see something jiggle, that's where you know where to target. Mm. I had such a messed up mentality around my body and around weight loss. And I had looked at to it as a solution to my mental health. And I looked at it to a solution to validation and feeling good and generally happiness. So after that, lost all this weight. And uh, I actually, at that point, I think I was down to like 120 when I when this all happened. But I went through a divorce. I left a 11-year marriage and moved in with my parents at the ripe age of 30 with three kids in tow. And I had no job. I had no career. I mean, I was working as a server at nighttime, but I, I really didn't even have a car or I didn't even have my own bank account. This was a complete restart. And I was very private about it, but my weight was slipping to a very small size due to, at this point, I was not eating because of stress and I was working like crazy at the surfing job. So I was dropping down. I was now a size zero and people were like, oh my gosh, congratulations. You look amazing. You've never looked better. And it just kind of woke me up like, holy crap, I'm actually at the worst point of my entire life. And people, all they see is that I'm thin mm-hmm. and congratulations, you've made it in life. And I was just 
sad and angry. And at the same time, I had this entire Instagram following based on weight loss. And I felt like I had betrayed them because I now had woken up to what was really going on, that my weight was not equating to my happiness, Mm -hmm. that my body was not the most important part of me. I had so much more to me to show and I was ready to do it. So because I was so ashamed of my body, I decided to do completely opposite of what we normally do. And I started to uncover it and tiptoe my way into this movement that I wanted nothing to do with that was called body positivity Mm because all that told me was that I should be okay with my body and I wasn't ready to hear it. But as I stepped into that space and started stepping into, you know, treating my body out of love and not so much hate, it began this completely different journey of who I was and how I feel and how I show up for myself and show up online. And people came in swarms and supported me. And it has been a really incredible journey since. Was there like a specific moment where you were like, I'm done, I'm moving toward self-love? Yeah, I think because when you start to recognize why you're doing things. So a big part of like my therapy process, I was diagnosed with PTSD. And a big part of that was that I was suppressing my own thoughts. So my therapist was like, I want you to start really like forming your own opinions, thinking your own thoughts, not just absorbing what everybody else thinks and wants for you. And at that time, I was only existing in this like weight loss and fitness space. So of course, those were the only messages I was getting is like the self perfecting kind of mentality. And I mean, there's a lot of money in that. So it makes sense that that's why I would be so bought into Mm -hmm. what we now know as diet culture and being such a perpetuator of that. But because she now gave me this you know, goal of starting to think about my own opinions and forming them for myself, I started to really realize that everything that I was doing was only because I hated myself. My Mm -hmm. acts of love were not Mm -hmm. acts of love. They were acts of hate. So Mm -hmm. I was working out because I was trying to burn off the calories of what I ate. I was, I was doing it because it was like a punishment. I wasn't doing it for the right reasons. I wasn't eating as like a fuel. I was eating for like what would make me thin. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't healthy in any regard mentally or probably physically. I just happened to be thin because of a lot of those actions. And realistically, I started to get really terrible terrified of food. I was so used to counting calories. I didn't know how to stop. I didn't know how to stop obsessively working out. And I was so terrified to gain weight. So like now I'm dealing with also having fat phobic thoughts and, and really having to dig deep with like how difficult that is to know about yourself is that you are scared of fat. And what does that mean for you as a human? So coming through that, I really had to start acting in love. And sometimes that meant like not working out because Mm -hmm. I was having a different kind of day, or maybe that was like having a piece of birthday cake on my freaking birthday. And like these, these seem like normal things, but for me, it was like such huge momentous steps into something different and, and losing a lot of that restriction and trusting myself again to eat and move without needing it to be so policed by even myself or like these apps that I was using. And now I get to, you know what, you kind of go into this full, so I had to gain weight. Obviously that was a big part of it. And I had to come into a space now where I understand a lot better, more about myself. You know what? Like I freaking love candy and I love sugar, but I also know that too much of it is not great for me. So like things like that, but I'm not going to deny myself fruit because it has sugar in it. I'm not going to deny myself some of these things, but I also know that like, I also need some of the healthier options as Mm -hmm. well. Right. And just like removing moral values from food and just doing actually what works best for me. And so you'd establish this following who they're Mm -hmm. all just like, tell us more. How do we lose more weight? Yes. So what was that first 
different posts that you did where you started to pivot. What specifically did that look like? Do you remember? And what was the reaction? I mean, a lot of it was very still allowed within the space of weight loss, which was like my loose skin and my stretch marks. It's a very common thing for a lot of people, especially postpartum to have. But I had actually, at some point I had shared like a very little bit about me. Like I very curated, like how can I pivot my body to still look small, but share stretch marks. And And uh, the founder of NYX reached out to me and she asked me to come and model for them. And I remember being terrified because I was like, hold on now, that's no longer in my control. It's and this, now, is a, this is an intimate brand that's yes, big Yeah. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I was kind of terrified and, and they were, she was very persistent. She was like, we're not doing the shoot without you. So I was like, <laughs> okay. And so I went that day to the shoot and I remember feeling like such a fraud. Like I just, I just didn't feel, I didn't feel like myself. And, and I remember looking at the photographer and she was like a foot shorter than me. And I'm like, hold on, that's not my angle. Like you can't <laughs> shoot me from that way. I was so terrified of my own skin. And I remember like holding the robe on like so much. And I just was so just self-conscious the entire time stepping into it. And then I got there and there was one girl out of the group of five of us that was an actual model. And she took off her robe and she gets out there and she's just owning it. And I'm noticing that, you know, she's got cellulite all over the backs of her legs and she's got stretch marks on her hips. And I was just like, I'm so attracted to this. Like, this is so amazing how confident she is. And so when my photo actually came out with that campaign, it was interesting because it wasn't me that was posting it. It was them. And whoever was seeing it didn't know who I was. I was kind of small beans at that point. And I got to read the comments. And the comments were so incredible because they were like, I've never seen a woman's body that looks like mine. I've never seen stretch marks like mine. I didn't know that postpartum existed the same way it does for me as it does for other people. And all of a sudden it was like every light bulb in my head went off and I was like, holy crap, we have felt so alone in our bodies for so long. We've been hiding for so long that we literally didn't know each other existed. We've just been told to cover up, to lose weight, to get it removed, to like, to get it cut off. And, and we've not known that we're actually a huge community of women. And this is so normal. So I got a chance to actually see it from a objective point of view and then realize like how much that benefited me to see that response from other people saying, you know what, me too. And I got really almost addicted to that feeling, that feeling of like, we're all normal and we all have differences in our bodies. And what does that look like? And what does that feel like? And, and so that was kind of the beginning of, you know, really getting vulnerable and stripping it all back and bringing that to the platform. And you know what? I did lose followers. I actually got really stagnant for about a year. People were like, this is weird. You went from like, losing weight and being so obsessed with it. And now you're like not posting any before and afters. I suppose before and afters twice a week. I had them every Tuesday, Transformation Tuesday, face-to-face Friday. I was like very diligent on like, this is my story and this is what people will come here for. And like stepping away from that was hard because- Mm -hmm. I wasn't earning at that point, but I kind of had hope that at some point I would be able to do this as for like a living. I had seen other people doing it as well. And, and I just didn't really know what direction to take with it. So having that, I almost like think integrity to walk away from a messaging that I knew was so damaging for me long-term and do something a little bit different ended up just not only healing me, but I feel 
connected so many people who have gone through the exact same experiences. Mm -hmm. And we've seen it time and time again, where like weight loss doesn't equate happiness and dieting is a 95% failure rate. And so we all kind of like 95% of us are existing in this life after. And what does that look like and feel like, and how can we move forward and have a better narrative and a better dialogue? I don't think that weight loss is inherently bad. I just think that it really, really t- makes a difference how we approach it in terms of our mental health and, you know, dieting. Mm-hmm. And you made a good point that you probably could have stayed on that path and made a lot of money mm. from a lot of different brands wanting oh, to promote sure. different snacks, different meal plans. Yes. Like there's such a huge industry around that. Oh, and yeah. And for you to walk away from that and not a lot of people being open about it online. So that is very commendable as for well. For sure. I was actually, when I was a single mom, and I didn't even know how I was going to pay my bills that month. I had one of those skinny tea companies reach out mm-hmm. and offer me $13,000 to talk about. It. And I had like no money at that time. So $13,000 would have changed my life. And I said, no. And you know, people don't see that part. They often, when they see you do ads and stuff, they, they think you just like take it all. And they don't see how much work it takes to actually turn down things and have the integrity to look into brands and look into their backgrounds and, Mm. and their messaging and and being a part of that. And so that was a tricky time because it really was like, there was a time where I literally advertised waist trainers Mm -hmm. on my, on my page. And I remember going to bed at night feeling like I could barely breathe. And here I was talking about it online. So I think it's, it's, it's uncomfortable to be wrong. It's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. to kind of change the ways, but I also think it also gives us such a hope when we see other people going through it and a grace to understand that like when people are in it, they're in it and there is another side to it and people can change. I think that's such a positive thing that can come out of it. So that's, I've left up all my old posts. Mm -hmm. You can read through Mm -hmm. how like shaming I was to myself and how much I used to put down myself and, and how disordered I was in a lot of the ways that I thought. And I think that's important for people to see that too. It's like an evolution. Totally. For sure. And so I think, you know, going back to what you said about 95% failure rate for most Mm -hmm. diets. Mm -hmm. So probably a lot of people look at you now and they think, well, so you haven't bounced back to being 200 pounds, but you are against diet culture. Yes. So what, what is that healthy balance that you're at now? Like how do you, Yeah, are there things that you kept from the past and things that you threw away? I think a lot for me now is like finding that balance. And, and again, listening to that internal dialogue, I, before when I existed in a bigger body, I was postpartum and I didn't really have a lot of time and energy to be doing. Like I, I was not in a season of life that I really could have done a lot of the things that I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. I didn't have as much like capability to be doing a lot of these things. And I think through weight loss, you know, I got really aggressive and how I was taking it all on, but now I'm able to look at both sides of it and understand that both ends of the spectrum didn't bring me happy. One was definitely like almost like a giving up. Mm -hmm. And then the other side of it was like overly obsessive. So for me, it comes back to that listening to self, listening to what makes me feel good, listening to what makes me feel good. And you know what, moving my body in a way that I love and not is like not a punishment. And I'll be completely honest. That's like 90% of the time is me just like throwing on headphones and dancing in my bedroom to Britney Spears, but I'm moving. But I think when it comes to the differences for me, it's like I had a really slow weight gain, gaining it back. And that was like very difficult. I think when you go from like celebrating losing pant sizes and suddenly you're going back up to them, 
But there's also been so much peace about it as well because I realize like none of these things define me. And so it's okay if like our bodies change and adjust over time. Like that is a natural part of process. And and I actually lost weight over the summer accidentally. I don't weigh myself anymore, but I can only guess by the way things fit. And that actually didn't affect me either. So it's been nice to be able to kind of have the fluctuation of life. My body is like the instrument in which I live, but it is not the most important part of me. And I will continue to seek the parts of me that are truly more important, like how I show up for other people, how I speak, how I learn and like evolving myself in a different way, apart from straight up, what size are you? And now a quick break to shout out one of our show partners, Sephora. Carlene, we all know that stress can affect our skin. My skin has zero chill when I am stressed. Hello, dryness, redness. And then I look in the mirror whenever I have a big deadline looming and all I see are my fine lines. I'm right there with you. How about last week when I was writing a story and my computer got infected with a virus? Like My frown lines were jumping off my face. Oh, well, not to worry. Sephora has us covered with solutions for stressed out skin. We are in the throes of January as well. So who doesn't need help with dryness? The Drunk Elephant F-Bomb Electrolyte Water Facial helps to hydrate skin with electrolytes while you catch Z's. And during the day, the Tatcha Serum Stick is an easy-to-apply solid serum balm that you can swipe on to visibly plump fine lines with targeted hydration. I'm curious about cult favorite Barbara Sturm Glow Drops. It's a hydrating serum that fights dullness, and it features one of our favorite hero ingredients for hydration, hyaluronic acid. Love that. And for first signs of aging, we know you're out there. That's us too. There's the Fresh Lotus Preserve Moisturizer. It's filled with antioxidants, and it's really going to target those fine lines. And there's also the Dr. Dennis Gross Stress Rescue Super Serum, and that's a radiance-boosting serum with superfoods and niacinamide. And let's not forget about redness. We both have that. There's the Laneige Sika Repair Sleeping Mask. It's formulated specifically for sensitive skin and it's an overnight mask that's really going to calm all that redness. So head to a Sephora store or Sephora online to check out this skin saving lineup. We will link to these products in today's show notes. And now back to the podcast. Hi, I'm Shanae Alexander, host of Press Send, a podcast and more importantly, a safe and hilarious place for candid conversations about the scary, funny, heartbreaking, but always intriguing questions that make us all human. Each week, me and a new best friend you haven't met yet field your questions across any and all topics and offer our take on the matter with plenty of humor, heart, and badassery along the way. We launch a new episode of Press Send every Wednesday. We'll see you there. All of that being said, I notice on your Instagram, people still will comment, how did you do that? Yes. They want to know yes. the breakdown. Mm-hmm. What did you eat? Yeah. Tell me what you ate. How did you go? I'm I'm there now where yep. you used to be. Yeah. So how do you address that now? Well, I think I, I'm really honest with people because mm-hmm. I straight up was counting calories. So when you're counting calories, it didn't matter what the calories were. It didn't mm-hmm. matter what nutrients there was. I was straight up only allowing myself 1,200 calories a day. For a woman of my size, age, and stature, I should be having more like 1,800 to 2,500. I was I was under eating. I was living in a calorie deficit and I was obsessively working out for like an hour a day, sometimes twice a day. So I always tell people like, listen, the way that I lost weight, even though like I'm saying openly now, you could always look back and read it anyways. 
I'm very clear on it didn't work because at the end of the day, I was left with disordered eating and disordered body view. This is my opinion. I feel like it's okay if you're on a journey where you're like, I just want to change my lifestyle in which I may lose weight. And a lot of people will look at that and say, well, that's still a diet, but it's only that way. If you're looking at it with that being a moral value of, I only am acceptable when, Mm -hmm. or I'm going to be starting to live life when I think that if we disown like weight loss completely, that's unfair too, because weight loss and weight gain will naturally happen no matter what. But just like, don't, I, I don't know. I just think it needs to be taken off the table as like almost like a goal. And instead just like changing the way that we exist in the world and the way that we look at our bodies and love our bodies. If we go back to like love being an action word, what does that look like to show up for yourself? You might lose weight. You might not. That shouldn't be the reason that we're doing it. The same way is like when we go out and like, if we give gifts to people, do we only do it expecting a thank you card? Like, no, we did it because we wanted them to feel great. We wanted them to know that they were loved and appreciated. And if we apply that to ourselves and and taking that forward, like just removing weight loss as the goal aspect of it. But I think that that's what we've been told to focus on so much because it seems like that's where our hangup feels Mm -hmm. like it is. And so if it's, if that's the thing that we want to accomplish, really breaking down why that is. And I think when we, when we discover that a lot of that comes down to like the peeling of the onion, it comes down to like a lot of what we've been conditioned to believe over Mm -hmm. time. And I can tell you like, from experience and from knowing a lot of people through it, weight loss really doesn't truly bring you happiness. And there's so much more. And uh, yeah, it's 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 helped being, I think, on social media to be able to follow people of all different sizes. Mm-hmm. And that's really helped me break down a lot of like my fat phobic thoughts and those feelings and stuff and following women who are of all different shapes and sizes and realizing how attractive that is and mm-hmm. how amazing that is and how awesome and like it is to see diversity and we need that. We mm-hmm. really need it. Mm-hmm. And so we get asked this a lot because it's a beauty podcast. So yep. what's your take on, you know, the mommy makeover, or mm, Botox, yep. like any of that stuff? Because, you know, I'm a mom too. And yep. I, I know that feeling so well after, you know, you've, what do they call it? Diastasis or whatever, yes, you know, like, yeah. and it's just, you lose all those muscles and, yep. and it kind of all falls apart in there. And so are you judgmental of the woman who might oh go and gosh, do that? Or no. how do you, what's your take? Honestly, I think that if we, we need to continue to be women who give each other full authority over our own skin and our mm-hmm. own bodies. And I think that the second we start policing each other and what we do with our bodies, we're dishonoring the entire system of womanhood. And uh, I say that openly, I've, I've not done the mummy makeover thing. I know people who have, I didn't do it because, and I was offered it for free at one point. I didn't do it because I thought that would be tempting. That would be <laughs> tempting. But I knew my mentality and I knew that if I did that, I would only retarget the hate to something else. And if I couldn't accept my body for where it was, I would never get better by just like doing these quick fixes. Now, at the same time, I know other people like my mom included, who has had a full, like she lost a significant amount of weight and had 12 pounds of like overhanging skin that caused rashing. So you know what? She had it removed. She's no different a person. And I think that watching somebody you love go through it gives you like that application of understanding where somebody's at and why they would be going through it. And I just don't think that it's the right. I I don't think whenever we see each other making like decisions that are potentially wrong. Like same as when we see somebody dating a guy who's like maybe a bit of a dick, we don't maybe agree with it. But the worst thing that we can do is judge and push them away when you know what the best thing to do is stay and be a support system. Because at some point down the road, now that we're learning a lot about breast implant illness and stuff as well, 
you know, people are going and getting these things potentially out of insecurity and then they're getting sick and they're falling ill. And the last thing we need is to be walking around saying, you know what, this is, you should never have done this. Like, why did you do that in the first place? You were beautiful and then you ruined it. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like she had full authority over her body. Now she gets to change her mind. We should just, if we remain a support to people, then we allow them to be, we, we get to be the landing pad for that. I have friends who were actually in the body positive movement while I was going through weight loss stuff. And they were so non-judgmental. And when I came through the other side and I was like, holy crap, I'm not okay. The first people I went to were those humans. Like we all are on a journey. We all learn in different ways. We all sometimes get it wrong. And for some people, those enhancements might be really, really good for them, especially things like the diastasis recti. Like that's a painful experience for a lot of people and it causes back pain. It does a lot of stuff like that. Or if we're looking Mm -hmm. at a woman who's had breast cancer and she has reconstructive, like why do we have a moral scale on what's okay and what's not? And in terms of Botox, um, I've had it. I've been open about that. I don't talk about it online so much anymore, like from my past with it, just because I now understand I do have influence and I don't want people making decisions same way as I don't talk about what I eat in a day because I don't want people to apply what I personally do into their own lives without understanding their mental health and how they are around all of this stuff. I don't think that it's right to to place what you would do for you and put it onto somebody else because we just are completely different humans and we're completely different people. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I was reading a lot online lately about the concept of body neutrality. Yes, versus, I'm a huge fan of that. Versus body positivity. Maybe you can yes. like give people a bit of a heads up on the differences. For sure. So body positivity was very much like just in more of like a love your body, love the skin you're in, do all of that. And and to be honest, for a lot of people after existing for a really long time in self-hate, loving your body is just another thing that they're failing at. And, and I'll be honest, that's how it feels for me too. I don't think that I've ever truly come to a point where I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, hot damn, this is the body I've always dreamed of. Like, no, it's not. It's actually not at all. And I've come to like really accept it and love her for who she is. But like coming down to like who I am inside and being honest about it, like, no, I don't love my body every single day. And I think that that's just another thing that we're just showing up and looking in the mirror and like, crap, I'm failing at loving myself too. I hated myself before and I'm doing this whole self-love thing. And then I still hate myself. Like this sucks. Body neutrality is kind of this bridge in the middle, this one that deprioritizes what your body is and how you exist. And I think that that's been the one that's truly been most life-changing for me, especially as a mom who stopped kind of existing in her kid's childhood because she was so scared of what her body looked like. And body neutrality kind of takes you away from like, you know, you're at the beach with your children. And if all you're thinking about is how your body looks, you're really missing the moments and you're missing the memories. And I'm sorry, but like, it's, that's the one biggest regret of my life is that I, I missed a huge chunk of my kid's childhood because, uh, how I thought about my own skin and my own body. So body neutrality kind of takes you out of that. Like, I don't love her and I don't hate her, but I'm just not going to think about her Mm -hmm. right now. We're going to be real neutral about this Mm -hmm. and going and existing and showing up despite what your feelings are. And I think that it really helps to be able to step away from the mirror and say like, it just Mm -hmm. doesn't matter when we think about the people that we love the most in our relational world, like people we really care for, people we really respect and think about the top five things that we like about them. 
their bodies don't usually land on the list. Like their looks usually aren't there. It's usually their kindness or like how they support you or, you know, things like, I love how my husband is really great at, you know, talking to that quiet person in a room at a party. I love that some of my one friend is really good at sending me pug memes when she knows I'm sad. Mm-hmm. I love that like a, people have these capabilities. It doesn't matter what they look like. Mm-hmm. Like I might jokingly say that I love my husband's beard. I do love my husband's beard. But if you're asking me for my top, five reasons that I love him, his beard and his body are not going to make the list. So when I think, when we think about that for ourselves, we can start to show up in a way of, I know that the most important parts of me are not my body. How do you pass along that concept or teach that to your children? Cause you are a mom of three mm-hmm. and how do you minimize that noise of diet culture in your home? Because I think a lot of moms out there struggle because yeah. maybe they want to count calories, but yeah. they also don't want their daughter's seeing them do that? Like, how do you manage that? I think that diet culture can definitely start in the home and it's also bred outside the home. So there's like a two factor thing to this. In our home, I, we don't talk about it. We don't talk self-hate. We don't pick apart our bodies. And I have to really recognize that, you know, as a mother, the first language and words that your children ever hear, the first narratives they have are yours. So what are you saying about yourself? Because I guarantee you they're going to start mirroring it. So it's really important that we kind of don't look in the mirror and say like, do I look fat in this? Do I like this? Because then they start to create a moral value on what their looks are. And I can say, I've got three kids, two girls and a boy my daughters look completely different. They have completely different statures. How dishonoring would it be if I looked in the mirror and picked myself apart for being too skinny or too fat when I have like two different daughters of two different makeups who now will feel like their mother has a moral value on one over the other based on what her body looks like. And that's so unfair. And again, this back to a body neutral kind of conversation of, you know, how are you strong and how are you ambitious and what makes you feel beautiful and taking it away from how they actually look and into like the more important parts of them and empowering those pieces. And it does mean there's no scales in our home. It does mean that when we go to the doctor's office, we've actually asked to face away from it. And my one daughter said to me, she's like, why do you ask us to face away from the scale? Why am I not allowed to know? And I was like, I just don't ever want you to be defined by that number because it held me hostage for a really long time in my life. And I've broken free from that and I've learned and I want you to have those same lessons if you can have it. Now your photos on Instagram, I think you've sort of really become known for showing images that people are not used to seeing. And like one <laughs> one that I saw, you were wearing a thong mm-hmm. and you were showing off your butt, which was like looking in a mirror for really? me. I oh love my it. God, the H butt. The like, H butt. That's what everyone was calling it in the comments. I honestly I don't have never seen a butt like that. And I like Googled <laughs> it and I was like, why does nobody have a butt like me? And I was like, Frank, I bet you other people have this butt. Oh yeah, that is totally my butt. And so what do your kids, because they're probably on social media, what do they think when they see you in lingerie or their friends at school? How do you, you know, I navigate mean, that? It's pretty funny because- like years ago when I started and I was with Nick's and I I did that first photo, like that was the first time. And so my kids were pretty woken up to it pretty early on, but they also have such a benefit to see the impact. They get to see and hear, I can't even tell you how many times my children have actually witnessed women come up to me with tears pouring down their face and saying, thank you for giving me back the chance to be at the beach with my children. And thank you for allowing me to feel confident again. And thank you. Like the, the words of other people are almost protecting it forward that they actually 
haven't really said too much about it. I think that the overarching message and the fact that we really teach a lot about like our bodies, because even if they're like bare and stripped down, doesn't mean they're like pornographic and sexual. Mm -hmm. It actually is like artistic and humanity. And it's like, that's what's really beautiful too. So I did read some pretty hateful comments that you had reposted just this past weekend. Mm -hmm. They were from online haters and people blowing up your DMs about how they wanted to cause you physical harm. I believe the actual quote was they said if they were offered either $50,000 or to be able to punch you in the face, they would choose punch you in the face. Yeah. (laughs) Which is pretty intense. Yeah. How do you deal with that? I mean, I've had a whole slew of it at this point. I've got a bit of a thick skin to it at the beginning. It was anything that anytime it's like a character attack, that's usually when I'm like, feeling sad. Like that's usually what will get me a little bit more anxious, but anything that's usually like an attack on, on me or like how much, like, and the next line of that person's comment was, and your ass is effing disgusting. And I was like, so you just actually have a problem with how I look. So this isn't a character discussion. You just have a problem that I'm showing up in a different type of body. And here's the thing that's so cool about things like that is it reminds you of your why. So it used to be that I would be really sad and all of a sudden I'd get really angry. And then I'd be like, I'm going to post this. (laughs) It started perpetuating me understanding why it is that this is so important, why it is that women should be allowed to exist in their bodies. And, you know, most times those hater comments are from men or women who, I don't know, women's ones are always a little bit different, but men is either like gross sexual stuff or like really, really hate filled. And the oppression of women has happened for decades. And it is a really uncomfortable swing of the pendulum for men to understand that all of a sudden we might be taking on a different approach to how we look and how we show up. But my goal and why the haters have actually changed the way that I create is because because I know that they're so lost in this. I mean, men have grown up in, in nowadays, they've grown up in a porn culture. So they have had this narrative happen for them where women only look like one certain thing and that's how they behave. And it's all for them. And their Mm -hmm. women's entire existence is for like male pleasure. And so when we start a different narrative, like that's actually not what we're here for. And we're actually here as like women ourselves and we're humans and like human to human. Like this is, we all look very different and now we're showing up very different. Of course, some people are going to get threatened by that, but for the most part, it's a chance for them to see and hear something really different. But the hater stuff can be a little bit tricky. Sometimes there's been ones that, you know, really make you feel gross. Like I, I struggled a bit, uh, about a month and a half ago when I got, my hair done. And people were like, I'm just really sick of you wearing makeup and doing your hair. If you were so body positive, you would stop all the beauty stuff as well. And that was kind of a gut punch. Cause I was like, well, that's really asking me to change who I am and, and dishonor the parts of me that I actually love. Like I love doing my hair and I love doing my makeup. That's really, that's really unfair to ask me to love myself in a way that you want me to love myself and not the way that actually honors who I am at the core. And so let's talk about the rise to success just within sure. Instagram because yeah. you had 200,000 followers-ish in June. At the beginning of 2019, I had 150. And I think by like, by summer, I was maybe at 300, 400. Mm-hmm. And by end of summer, I was at 500, then six, seven, fifty by the end of the year. And now over eight, right? Over eight, yeah. Okay, so how, how did you do that? <laughs> I mean, I wish there was a formula. It's funny because I kind of went against what people were doing as like a classic way of creating on on Instagram and on social media. We have these pictures and we're like, what are we going to caption to this picture that's cute? And it's frustrating. It feels so contrived. So I started actually writing 
the moment something was happening, the moment I was feeling it or feeling that frustration with either my body or marriage or life or PTSD or motherhood, stop, drop, and write. Like I would write, write that moment, make a voice recording, email myself, whatever it was. So I started creating from a very raw emotional state. We always think we're going to remember what that thing is later. We never do. It's never the same. Then you're always trying to like recreate it. So I would just like skeleton write down what it is that I was feeling and come in and add the meat to it later. Um, and then add the photo to it later as well. The photos became so secondary to what the messaging was. I understand that the photos are like the thing that kind of grab us, but mm-hmm. the words are what make you stay. And what happens when you write from a really raw moment of time and create in that way, people read it and they realize like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I felt because it's like that exact moment and that exact feeling and emotion. When people connect with something, they share it. Mm -hmm. So when they see something and they connect with it, they're like, I felt like this and I've never been able to put it into words. I mean, I never in a million years would have expected it. That's for sure. Hey guys, we want to pause for a moment to let you know about a holistic way to care for your skin from our friends at Ancient Nutrition. One of the questions we're often asked is what we think about collagen supplements. What do we think about them and are they worth the spend? Well, Breaking Beauty exclusive, we know that collagen is super important when it comes to skin, nails, and even the connective tissues in our bodies. That's like 101 beauty editor. We know that. And we know that as we begin our adulting journey, our natural collagen production slows down, which can lead to premature wrinkles and a sunken appearance. That's because collagen is the queen pro protein responsible for skin structure. So here's what we think. You can boost your body's natural collagen production with the right foods and diet, of course, but often we're not getting enough. So collagen supplements can help. Most other collagen comes from a single source, which provides one, maybe two types of collagen. Ancient Nutrition's multi-collagen protein has four sources of collagen and features five types of collagen. And the best part is it's flavorless. It's a flavorless powder that can easily be incorporated into your daily routine. Personally, I like mine straight up mixed into water for a quick collagen and protein boost. If you'd like to try Ancient Nutrition yourself, you can get $10 off right now at ancientnutrition.com when you use the promo code BEAUTY. That's a special offer for our listeners and a simple way to support our show. Get $10 off at Ancient nutrition.com and use the promo code beauty. We'll link to it in today's show notes. And now back to today's episode. Well, we wouldn't be a beauty podcast unless we asked oh my gosh, about some of your favorite beauty products. Tell us what skincare products, like a couple of them that are your, you know, can't live your without. Faves. Uh, vitamin C serum, like hands yeah. down. That was the one that was ga- like moisturizer and vitamin C serum. Like that will change mm-hmm. your skin. Like that's the one thing I think in 2019 was the first time I was diagnosed with a melasma in my face. So I started using it with like a skin, it has like a skin brightener in it. Mm-hmm. And my melasma was healing and my skin had just never felt better. And I was like, what is this stuff? And people were like, wait, you weren't aware? And I was like, no. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Which one? Which I use Vivier. Uh, I started with I started with Radiance. Mm-hmm. I, I went into another one, but it's discontinued now. But Radiance Vitamin C Serum by Vivier was the one mm-hmm. I got. Um, I was one of those people that was like such a 
drugstore skincare person until Mm -hmm. I realized I was spending $40 a month on skincare that literally only lasted me 30 days. Mm -hmm. Whereas like one bottle of that lasts six months and costs 130. I was spending less and having way better impact. Mm -hmm. But one of my favorite things has actually been going to a skin clinic. They they scan your face for free. You can see exactly what it is that's going on. Talk to a medical esthetician about it. It's not this like grossly expensive process that everybody thinks it is. Of course, there are parts of it that are, Mm -hmm. but I've always been really conservative about it and and keep it really simple. So mm-hmm. straight up, I used, this is this is a funny one, but I used to not even wash makeup off my face. So washing my face at night and putting vitamin C serum and moisturizer. And that's that's my go-to. Yeah. Wow. You have like no pores. I'm so jealous. <laughs> oh my gosh. I do. I do have the pores. They're actually very genetic too. Like everyone has like growing pores yeah. in our family. But yeah, it, they, it's just gotten so much better over the last like mm-hmm. couple years for sure. Especially after weight loss, my skin like aged so quickly. Interesting. And so reversing that has been mm-hmm. really, really nice. And then there's things like my other favorite would be the Ficlo Beauty's lip serum. The night lip serum is like my favorite, favorite, favorite lip treatment ever. They have a day one as well. Ficlo. Oh, I don't know that brand. Oh my gosh. How do you spell it? F-I-T-G-L-O-W. Oh, Fit Glow. Fit Glow. Right, right, Yeah, They're they're Canadian. They're Canadian, yeah. And they have, um, so I got onto their daytime lip serums Mm -hmm. and then they came out with a night one. I can't sleep without it. Like they literally sent me little travel ones now because Mm -hmm. I'm like, I can't can't (laughs) live, I can't even sleep without that stuff on my lips. Like I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your brows are super on point. Oh, thanks. I feel like they're (laughs) part of your signature look. (laughs) I know. So what do you do? I used to never have them. Uh, So I overplucked them in the 90s as we did. And uh, a few years ago, I had a friend who got into microblading and she was really good at it. So I, she came into my home and microbladed my brows. But all I remember was she measured my face for 45 minutes. And when she did that first outline, I was like, oh, I've been shaping my brows wrong like the entire time. And so we did the microblading and I've had touch-ups for that once a year. But that is like, I used to be so into like eyelash extensions and Mm -hmm. stuff. The shape of a brow was the thing that changed my face. Like it changed the whole dynamic. Like I can have no makeup on and I still feel put together. And then it's just been one of my favorite things. Even if it, even if you have to color them in a little bit Mm -hmm. as they fade, you still have that outline there. So it's so Mm -hmm. easy to do and very low maintenance, obviously, because you go once a year. Yeah. What brow product do you use to like touch up? Uh, I think it's It Cosmetics, mm-hmm. like the little one, oh, but I also so have Haley Bogart. Mm-hmm. Her brow gel is mm-hmm. incredible. And uh, I actually just went and got my brows lacquered okay. about a month ago. This is like a new thing. And I was like, I don't know what the hell this is, but the, my brow girl was like, you just got to try it. I think you'd love it. I'm like, okay. And it's basically a perm straightener for your brows to like lay flat. So when I first got it done, I was like, this is crazy. I didn't even know I had brow hair. Like I thought my hair was like just, I thought it was all microbladed and I actually has been growing hair because I stopped plucking them. They basically brush into like an upwards direction and she trimmed them all. And I'm I'm so obsessed. It's like my favorite thing ever that I've done in like a long time was that brow. It's called like a brow lacquer or Mm. a lamination. Some people call it. Yeah. It's a lamination. Yeah. Yeah. It's really wild. And uh, yeah. What was the other thing I was going to say? Oh yeah. I like the INV that lash growth serum, you can use it on your brows. So I've been doing yeah. that too. Shout out to Haley Bogart because oh, I just met her. She's um, lovely. Yeah. I just met her a couple months ago and she did an amazing job on my brows as well. The INV, she's like every single one of my clients 
uses IMD. Who knew? She's like, I've got over a thousand clients and they all use it. It's wild. I didn't even know. It for the brows. Yeah. Yeah. Because I had over, there's a section in the front here that's so overplucked that I didn't think would ever regrow. And I started using it. And all of a sudden when I was brushing my brows one day, I was like, holy crap, there's hair there. Yeah. <laughs> but it also makes you a little nervous to be like, better make sure it like stays yeah, into the realm right. of Stencil. my brows now. Right. Yeah. Right. And you're so good at doing your hair. I actually thought you used to be a hairstylist. <laughs> I know. That was so cute. No, so, um, not, but I, I feel wish. like a lot of people do ask you about your hair. Like, do you Hair have and a makeup signature? is like my biggest questions. Yeah. I wanted one um, when I was younger, I really wanted to go to cosmetology school. Like yeah. that was my goal. And to be honest, the thing that stopped me was I was really scared of driving and the school was like 40 minutes away. And I was so freaked out that I just never did it and instead had babies. It's one of those things that I love to do. And I never used to. I used to always have my hair up in like a wet bun, but I have extensions in now, but I had short hair. I go from short hair to long, long hair to short. And uh, yeah, it's, I don't know, something I just love playing with. And I only wash my hair like once a week. So I have this like whole system between like straight to curly and then updos and then I wash it again. Right. Yeah. And what extensions do you like to use? They're tapins. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that I, I actually use the most. Like a lot of people were like, but I loved your short hair. Here's the truth of it. When your hair is short, you're styling it a lot. Like you're putting a lot of heat product on it and constantly having, cause it's just, you have to style it because it's short. And I found with getting extensions, my natural hair actually gets healthier because mm-hmm. I'm not really touching it. Cause when you think about styling longer hair, you're really only styling the ends. So mm-hmm. my natural hair actually grows in healthier and longer. And then I can go back to going short again if I want. And yeah. you're, you're can't live without hair tool. I saw you posting about it the other day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> my little half inch Walmart $20 Conair like curling iron. It's like the, the half incher. It's like so amazing. I don't know. And the, the heats up so fast. Like it literally so, so easy. It's like my favorite. It's, su- it's such a good little tool. And it's funny because it looks so small. So you expect mm-hmm. the curls to be so small, but mm-hmm. they're not because once you're curling only, I never curl my ends. I only curl like um, mid shaft mm-hmm. and then you brush your hands through it and it's like a wave. Okay, we're gonna have to try and find bucks. this. I saw and you twenty bucks. Yeah. Link to it on our blog, bucks. right? Absolutely. We, we love will. we love the the good finds. <laughs> yeah. So our final question for you: You okay. just celebrated a big birthday. What I does did. beauty mean to you now at thirty five? Oh, beauty. It's so inner and then it can be so outer. I like to think of it this way as if it's a home and homes can come in all shapes and sizes and they all have the same type of structure on the inside. They have their beams and they have their drywall and the rest of it is how we choose to decorate it and what we want to do with that. So at the end of the day, what matters is the memories that you make inside of it and the things that happen inside of it and who you invite inside of it. So when I think about my my body as a home and how I want to decorate the walls, it, you know, it never loses its worth when I take it all off at the end of the day, but frig, I want to have fun with it and I want to have pride in it. And I, and I love these parts of me. And then, like I said earlier, it'd be so dishonoring to myself to not do the things that made me feel really good. Even if I can't explain why a certain color lipstick makes me feel 10 inches taller, you know, Mm -hmm. like there's just those little things. So beauty to me is just, it's truly, it's truly a work in progress. It's more creative than it is worthy, like Mm -hmm. worthiness. And I think in terms of beauty, there's a lot of um, wording like flawless and correction. And we have all these things that it makes us feel like we're changing who we are. And at the end of the day, that's not what it is. It's just paint on the walls and pictures hung on them. and, And it's all about the memories we make inside. Well said. 
Thanks for tuning in. Visit BreakingBeautyPodcast.com for details on all the damn good products we talked about in today's episode. And be sure to sign up for our newsletter. That way you'll get every episode delivered right to your inbox. You won't miss a single thing. Or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast fix. And please show us some love by rating us or reviewing us in iTunes. See you next time. Like a cherry bomb.